Welcome to Diffuse Congruence. My name is Zaki Hassan, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Pervez Ahmed. Hey, Zaki. Good to be here. Uh, and thanks for joining us back, all you listeners out there. So um, we always appreciate the feedback. We always appreciate the comments and the questions. So keep them coming. But, um, yeah, we are... We are good to go in terms of uh, we've got a good lineup of shows coming up and guests, and so we're really excited about the uh, about the next few shows. And well, and, and uh, we're excited about today's show. Now, this is for the sure American Muslim experience, and uh, one thing uh, that Pervez and I like to do on occasion is uh, have the the broad topic of this show overlap with our sort of geeky tendencies, right? That's that's a fair statement. Is that, is that something we feel comfortable admitting? <laughs> Comfortable and proud, my friend. I, yes, I, yes, I think the absolutely. cat is out of the bag that you and I it is, are it pretty is. Oh, geeky yeah. at this point. But uh, uh, our guest for this episode, uh, I'm very excited to be joined by A. David Lewis, who is author of the new book, Muslim Superheroes, Comics, Islam, and Representation. And uh, let me just very briefly introduce him. So uh, David earned his Ph.D. in religion and literature from Boston University and his M.A. in English literature from Georgetown University while developing original graphic novels such as The Lone and Level Sands and Some New Kind of Slaughter. He's the co editor of Graven Images, Religion in Comic Books and Graphic Novels, and Digital Death, Mortality and Beyond in the Online Age. Lewis teaches in the greater Boston area and was a 2015 Eisner Award nominee for American Comics, Literary Theory, and Religion, the Superhero Afterlife. He's a founding member of Sacred and Sequential and an executive board member for the Comic Studies Society. David, thank you so much for coming on Diffuse Congruence. It's terrific to be here. Thank you guys uh, for having me. So uh, oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, I was going to say, Zucky. I mean, I think uh, you know, our in terms of our geek credentials. I mean, we've done Star Wars commentaries. We've had Sana Amanath from Marvel on. So we, I think, I think we've, I think we've pretty much settled that uh, discussion a while back. So uh, really excited to talk with David today. So you guys absolutely uh, cross the clear the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so uh, maybe before we talk about uh, the book, Muslim Superheroes, maybe we can talk about your own interest in this subject. And, and uh, obviously, in, in very broad terms, you have an interest in uh, the, the, the interplay between uh, the, the, the sacred and in mm-hmm. from a variety of perspectives and then and and the geeky the sacred and the geeky uh <laughs> so, so where where does that no. come from what's what's your what's what's your egress into this uh, subject matter because uh, that is I, one I, tiny I, overlap of a venn diagram that's why so, yeah. it's nice isn't it yeah um, i mean talk about a niche yeah but that's awesome <laughs> It, it's a niche that I have snugly fit myself um, into, <laughs> and um, I, I wouldn't have expected it, or I wouldn't have, you know, growing up, have expected uh, so much an interest in the sacred. I grew up in a, you know, rather secular, very middle-class New England um, uh, home, and certainly the the geeky was part of my childhood, whether it was, you know, Transformers or whether it was He-Man, especially Star Wars, later Star Trek, and uh, devouring just absolutely everything I could when it came to reading. Um, and uh, comics were, of course, included in that. So uh, I was just as interested in J.R.R. Tolkien and in um, Robert Heinlein or uh, Ray Bradbury as I was in Stan Lee or Alan Moore or uh, later Grant Morrison. Um, So it's not the geeky part that's so surprising. I think the more, the thing that took a bit more of an evolution, you know, for me was that I didn't really mesh with um, my immediate religious community growing up. Uh, these were all good people. There was nothing wrong with them. This was uh, a reform uh, Jewish uh, congregation. Uh, but I always felt a little um, underwhelmed. Hmm. There were complex questions that I wanted to answer that, you know, sci-fi would answer, right? And right. that 
uh, even superhero comics would take on, but didn't feel uh, safe in the religious sphere. So for a long time, I was uh, rather agnostic and didn't think I had much to do with religion in my life until later. Uh, I grew up a little bit and started finding other communities, other people, other writings that um, really did key into issues of um, the sacred, the transcendent of uh, human meaning and human existence. Uh, so that got me involved in religious studies itself formally. It was only much later uh, that I uh, personally uh, converted to Islam, uh, finding at least my interpretation of Islam to be one that's quite inclusive and encompassing. Uh, and that had the ring of something I'd been looking for for some time. So the we start geeky, right? Then we move uh, academic, then academic in terms of religious studies, and then uh, religion in my life more full-throated. Wow, okay. So, so th this is interesting to me in that the, the book, uh, Muslim Superheroes, is almost a culmination of the academic work you've been doing up to this point. It's almost like it's worked up to this uh, this uh, analysis. Uh, that's that's pretty accurate. I mean, I do have to credit my co-editor and all the contributors uh, to the book. There wouldn't be a book without uh, everyone's uh, contributions, but certainly my interest here and the time that I've put into uh, assembling this and sort of nurturing this along with my co-editor Martin Lund and uh, the publishers at Mizan, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it does feel close to an apex point for me, at least uh, in terms of scholarship. In some ways, um, when we did the Graven Images book, and that's when I co-edited with Christine Hoff Kramer, that came out of a conference. Uh, that we ran in 2008. And we knew that there were people, scholars and geeks alike, hmm. uh, fans, uh, interested in this intersection, right? In this intersection of religion and comics. So we found it uh, relatively easy to curate uh, first a conference and then sort of cultivate that into a book. What Graven Images, um, and, you know, looking back on it, I, I like the title less and less. It was cute at the time, and now sure. uh, sort of sort of at a, more of a distance, I, I look at it askance. But um, <laughs> there, were two, there were two areas that Graven Images didn't tap into to my personal satisfaction. It's still an excellent book and has excellent um, contributors to it, but it didn't address Islam fully. Mm -hmm at least, mm -hmm. um, and it didn't address uh, issues of the afterlife. So really, the two books thereafter, my own uh, superhero afterlife and now Muslim superheroes, are sort of capping off what I was trying to start almost 10 years ago now with mm -hmm. Graven Images. See, you know, I, I think that the, the length of time we're talking about, 10 years, is is kind of appropriate in the sense that we've seen in the past decade the you know the 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 mythology of superheroes has really been absorbed into into the mainstream the bloodstream of the mainstream if you will uh mm -hmm. in in yeah. a way i mean you know when you i'm assuming that you and i grew up in roughly the same time i mean the the shorthand of superhero tropes was something that was very much its own you know, it, it was a, a like it, it. It was something you you had to really be on the inside to know, right? And, and that and seems you could, you could almost tell what era a person was from based on what superhero trope they were referring to, even if they were in the mainstream. Yeah, um, I'm thinking if someone was most familiar with Lou Ferrigno as the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> that told me something. Uh, different than saying Adam West as their Batman, sure, uh, right. or something different than Linda Carter as their Wonder Woman. You could see it in the mainstream popular culture, but not in its 
you know, fan enormity. Yeah, and and I mean, I think I think that the you know, looking at for example, just those examples you cited, right? Like Lou Ferrigno, uh, Adam West, sure. Linda Carter, all of those things, even though they are taken seriously within the framework of of their respective shows, they were still viewed in in if not a pejorative sense in kind of uh like they weren't taken seriously by in by the no. the mainstream and and you know i mean the incredible hulk tv show i would say was the most serious a comic book uh project had been taken i mean with the 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 with bill bixby and the sad music and whatnot but i mean even still it was oh that's one of them that's a comic thing yeah, you know. It- yeah, I I agree. I mean, when you uh, contrast it to, I mean, the the one that comes to mind most readily for me when you contrast it to Netflix doing the Jessica Jones series yeah, addressing right. sexual assault and abuse and trust and love, uh, the the you know cloudiness or the the silliness of superheroes falls away to make it. Uh, a really useful and applicable genre, not the superpowers themselves, right. but the issues that have always been raised. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, you're, when we talk about the, the the overlap with religion, I mean, the the religious symbolism of of Superman has always been there. Oh, abs- yeah, w- without question, and, and and it was baked into um, Joel. The Siegel and Schuster's creation of the character. They cite uh, Samson and they cite Moses. What they what they didn't cite so overtly at the outset was uh, the Jesus parallel. Yeah. But uh, I think the reason they didn't call it out is because uh, we would call it cultural appropriation today. Uh, Two <laughs> Jewish men. Right. Um, I don't think they wanted to overplay. Uh, at least in terms of the marketing, a connection to this being a Jesus figure. Yeah, well, and and I always, you know, you look at the Richard Donner movie from from 1978, and here you have, you know, uh, he Jor-El sends his son to Earth in a star, and he says, "I've sent them my only son." It's like I, dong hit you over the head. Oh, and you can you can basically grab a clip, whether it's from. Smallville or Lois and Clark or the Richard Donner movies or the Brian Singer Superman, they all have that moment of uh, Superman uh, forming a cross, you know, right. uh, having his arms outstretched. Yeah. It's almost like uh, you can't have the cape and the Superman <laughs> symbol right. unless you have that image. You have to uh, weave that in somehow. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Fascinating, uh, yeah. I, I guess I never noticed it, but yeah, absolutely, you, you are right. I mean, I, I know some of some of the ones you mentioned are more apparent than others, but yeah, it's you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost every sort of characterization characterization of the, of that of that character, yeah. So fascinating representation I mean, of that. There character. has been some there has been some back and forth between mm-hmm. both scholars and fans about whether he's Superman is more of a Jesus character or more of a Moses character. Yeah. Uh, the idea that he's cast out into space to find an adoptive family and then uh, recover his true heritage and lead and save people. But even that discussion uh, is blowing right by the idea that this is a pop culture product deeply infused with some religiosity, and it's up to really the individual to decide uh, how much and from what tradition. So, I mean, when we think about it, is is that, I mean, what does that say about where we are as a society that we look at a character like Superman and, you know, we say, oh, it's a, it's a Christ metaphor. Is that uh, an amazing statement about the resilience of this myth or is it borderline blasphemous? I I don't tend to see it as blasphemous because uh, at its root, it's praising the character, right? I don't think people are saying, oh, it's a Christ figure, therefore, ick. Right. <laughs> I think they're 
if they're mm. making that relationship, they're making that relationship as saying it's interesting or it's laudable or or that makes the character somehow more worthwhile. It's being infused with that quality. Or if it's a mosaic character, they're saying it in a complementary sense. Um, as for the, the first part, I, I don't know. Um, I, that's the safer position I would take, mm-hmm. right? The idea that um, there is innate religiousness um, built into the character, but at the same time, I think it's revealing more about the readership and the market than it is about the character, right? Um, The idea that at different times in American history or uh, as Superman has become a marketable product around the world, how much a readership or population has needed to find religion Hmm. in Superman uh, really speaks to how much they need to find religion in everything. Right. And uh, and there are other times where you have Superman representing, what, uh, anti-corporate forces. And other times we have Superman representing um, uh, positive feminist masculinity. It, huh. re- the moments that we start linking him or any superhero character to religion... Uh, speaks of a particularly religious, acute social moment. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, just last week or two weeks ago, when the uh, the the neo-Nazi thing that happened in, in Charlottesville was going on, there was a, a yeah. story that broke where one of the people who was there protesting was this uh, young lady who cosplays as Supergirl. Yes, I read about that. Yeah. And the the interesting commentary I've seen at least in, you know, from kind of the comic fan community is you can say and believe whatever you want, but you don't get to wear that S and do that. That's right. And That's right. I I very I very much sympathize with that view that you're really not taking away the lesson of the Superman family right. <laughs> if it's being employed to persecute or uh, deprive or single out uh, groups of people. That's that's very bizarro world, yeah. <laughs> uh, Superman, and not and not uh, any storm of traditional form of Superman or Supergirl or Superboy or Super what have you. I, I just I love the the parallel we you, we can draw. You know, we're talking about sort of the religious connection. It's the same as you know somebody being a bigot and having a crucifix around their neck, and the response is, "Hey, yeah. how can you wear that cross and be talking like this?" And it, we're uh, we're affording the same significance to the Superman symbol. Yeah, wow. I had the opportunity to um to to march in the uh, Boston counter protest, the sure. unity protest that happened. Oh. Uh, approximately a week ago, and there were a range of you know wonderful signs and wonderful people, all expressing you know uh, mutual equality and and love and so forth. But speaking to that point, there was a sign that says uh, Jesus was a Middle Eastern Palestinian uh, leftist uh, <laughs> uh, uh, crusader of the people, and just the idea that. That idea, if you hold with that idea of Jesus, can be so perverted right. into a uh, a bigoted supremacist ideology is is shocking. It goes to show how far uh, the human mind can contort things. <laughs> well, and and sort of circling back around to uh, the book Muslim Superheroes again I, I love the fact that as a fan as a Muslim comic book fan I mean that the idea of Muslim superheroes being a concept that was anything more than just something token the fact that we're at a point where we have a book that can analyze the, the many iterations of this that to me shows how far uh, things have gone in, in that arena and I think that by itself is worth calling out and, and applauding I know, and you know, I, I did say that I felt graven images, and this is 2008, 2010, may have been light on uh, Islam, but at the same time, it may have only constituted a chapter hmm. or two in 2008, whereas fast forward 10 years, and really, uh, even if we're just talking about 
Muslim superhero characters and not about mm. Islam in comics even larger. Right. Uh, we're not talking about Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi. We're not talking about Aaron and Ahmed, or we're not talking about Joe Sacco's Palestine, but we're just talking about this one genre. It has hit a critical mass, uh, which is really lovely to say that it's moving from tokenism to uh, representationality. Um, and the characters themselves, I also feel, are growing richer. Uh, we may have had, let's say, in the 1980s, the Arabian Knight with I, his I was about to bring that up. <laughs> and his flying carpet. Right, right. Um, now there's a, a greater variety and more dimensionality uh, brought to the, these characters. I, I remember, Islam is not their one defining characteristic. That was mm. exactly. I, I remember being a kid in the 80s reading, mm-hmm. and, and I think the Arabian Knight first time he appeared was in The Incredible Hulk, if I'm not mistaken. And You're remember, absolutely right. Well done. Well done. There you go. I, was, I still got it. <laughs> oh, Zucky's Zucky's credentials are unassailable here. And when it comes to yeah, well, he's, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a mere piker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a walk. He's a total Wikipedia about this kind of well, stuff. Well, I think in comparison with our guest, I'm I'm just a, an also ran. <laughs> but but I remember seeing the oh. Arabian Night, and it was this this fissure inside of me where I'm like, oh, cool, a Muslim character. But and but then I'm like. Why? Like, why is it that? Why is he defined by his his like his identity is his superpower, if you will? Right. Yeah. And that. Yeah. It was all. It was all about him being not white and not Christian and not American, and that's all the all you knew about the character. Yeah. I mean, the 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 shorthand was they would say stuff like "by the beard of the prophet," you know, and things like that. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't talk like that, you know. I know, I know. Wow. It's. Uh, I, I don't think anyone has ever has talked like that. I think that's uh, a simulacra that comes uh, right out of uh, just the comic book tradition. I don't think anyone has also said "Great Caesar's Ghost" or right. "By Rao," but or, or "Holy Sheet Metal Batman." Right. <laughs> Good points. Yeah, very, very, very good points. Um, and then you flash, and then you kind of fast forward from that to sort of, you know, um, what's her name? Uh, Camille, Miss um, Marvel's care, uh, like identity. Kamala uh, Khan. Yeah. Kamala, yeah, exactly. Kamala Khan. Who, you know, yeah, it's in the backdrop, but it, yeah, she's not, you know, swearing by the beard of the prophet either. So. No, in fact, uh, one thing I particularly like about the Ms. Marvel character, and I think it's it's notable. Um, yes, she is Muslim. She's of uh, she's an American, but she's of I believe uh, Pakistani, Pakistani yeah. uh, origin. But something that even more dominates her character is she's a fangirl. She writes fan fiction and plays online RPGs, and there's something. Um, nicely layered about that, right? She she is used to taking on uh, different views, different uh, personalities. She'll play chaotic good um, members of a of a D and D guild, and then she'll write about what uh, a gay superhero's point of view. There's there's suggestion that there's no one essential quality to her, but rather that the she's greater than the whole of the sum of her parts. Um, and I love that uh, because it both sort of fights against this idea that these characters have had, that being Muslim, that's their chief identifier. But it also shows that uh, Muslims in real life have a lot of things contributing to who they are, that being a member specifically of uh, the Islamic faith uh, doesn't mean that you are all 100% Muslim, that you are also, what, Bostonian, and you are also, uh, I'm I'm here in Boston, so I'll say Red Sox fan, Um, and you also like cheddar cheese, but not provolone. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's something that I really commend about the Ms. Marvel character, that we're getting to see every aspect of her. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I think it would be, well, in the case of Ms. Marvel especially, I think that nuance um, 
is I think part of the reason it's there is because you know you've got someone like Willow Wilson who's writing the character, and and she's Muslim, and then you know I so I I, I wonder. I wonder if we would get that nuance, and I don't know enough of the sort of rich history of Muslim characters, and, and this is certainly why we have someone like you on the show, to kind of talk about whether we've seen that kind of level of nuance before, or is it just the product of having a Muslim comic book writer, you know, and, and the kind of importance of having Muslims who are telling their stories, right, at Muslims as storytellers in America. Yeah. There's there's no question that uh, Willow, who, whom I adore, uh, brings a great deal of nuance with Ms. Marvel and has set uh, the public stage for uh, how varied these characters can be going forward. Um, prior to her, yeah, they weren't all Arabian Night <laughs> prior to this. There were there were a few uh, compelling standouts. Um, uh, when I think of what was attempted, with, there was a imprint of DC called Milestone, and That's Milestone right. was largely black creators. That's right. And yeah. they had a character called Wise Son, who was a uh, a gang member and a womanizer and a drinker and uh, incredibly violent. But he also considered himself Muslim, huh. and even though this wasn't the uh, most incredibly flattering depiction of a Muslim superhero, it at least had more than just the Muslimness. In fact, it showed his growing appreciation of Islam starting to fight with these other aspects of his life and how Islam was slowly, gradually in the background uh, improving him. So I think mm. we have had maybe greater nuance with Nation of Islam or, or black American uh, Muslim characters when it comes to the Arab American character, uh, Arab uh, or, or Arab Muslim character or the Persian Muslim character or the Indonesian uh, Muslim character. There are fewer instances of that. I, I do feel compelled to say that um, in my research, the earliest Muslim superhero that I found huh. actually um, was not the most two-dimensional. That the earliest Muslim superhero had hints of um, character and niceties and uh, wasn't the pure stereotype that you might expect from World War II time comics. Uh, and it, and it, it, it attracted me to this character. I, I've, I've fallen in love with this character called uh, Kismet that uh, I continue to uh, <laughs> stay focused on. And, and he was introduced in, during, during the, the 40s? Yeah, 1944. No um, he, uh, he, was, he only showed up in four issues of a, of a short-lived title called Bomber Comics. And bomber here stood for um, uh, the planes, right? That were fighting uh, the oh, Axis. Okay. Not there, there were no terroristic <laughs> right. overtones at the time. Right. He wasn't the first Arab character in comics, and he wasn't the first, even necessarily Muslim com character in comics. But he was the first Muslim superhero, and as such, they gave him a lot of dignity. Uh, a strange amount, more dignity than the Arabian night, right? Sure. More uh, dignity than um, there was another character called, called Batal. So here is a weird thing. Uh, this is a small digression, but I, I do want to bring up that part of what frustrated me about uh, researching Muslim superheroes before Ms. Marvel is that largely they were one and done characters. Right. They'd show up in an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, they'd be on the cover and then they die that issue, sure. and that was it. Um, they were quite expendable. They were quite disposable. Uh, whereas at least the Arabian Night continued to make appearances all throughout the Marvel Universe into, into um, uh, the late '90s. But Kismet, I gotta say, was uh, treated with was treated with some respect and. Uh, 
uh, the going theory that I have on that, why they didn't take, you know, it didn't have him doing more of by Muhammad's bones or by Allah's beard or right. nonsense <laughs> like that. Right. Um, we, it, he's credited to being created by Omar Tahan, yeah. uh, which is nobody, which is probably a pseudonym. Okay. Right? Um, but the writer behind him was probably a woman named Ruth Roke. Uh, and it could be that her place as a woman in the 40s in a boys' club, largely a boys' club of comics, gave her some sympathy to the outsider status. Uh, I, I like to believe that what that Kismet actually has some uh, feminist glimmer to him, even back in the 40s. And, and, that, and that fills me with a lot of, um, uh, a lot of happiness, really. That's, and, and I mean, this is an era before the, 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 the social uh, perception of Islam equaling terrorism had really taken root. So That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's right. And in fact, I, um, I want to give some credit to, you know, the greatest generation to the 1940s. Um, a number of Arab or Muslim majority countries were allied with the allies. So they may have had more first-hand experience of Muslims than uh, we did certainly prior to September 11th, 2001 here in the U.S. They right. may have had more uh, real engagement with people rather than an imagined other. That's, I mean, it, you know, when, when I look at my own, and I, I can't profess to having read comics regularly in the, in the last Ten years or so, as I became a parent, my ability to a have disposable income and b disposable time quickly dwindled away. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I remember this must have been. I want to say like oh five oh six. I think it was like oh six. Uh, there was there was a, a Punisher series written by Matt Fraction, and they yeah. they had a character who had been around the Marvel universe for a while named G W Bridge. Yes, yes, I know the character you're talking about. Yeah, he was created Which, by, who, by by Rob Liefeld like he, in the early 90s. Yes. And and he shows up in this Punisher comic and it's like the first page. It's like the first page of the first issue and he's in a mosque and he's doing the prayer. And, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And then a character is like, GW Bridge, we need you. And he's like, I'm praying, hold on. And then he finishes. And they never refer to, like, it's just, this is just a thing about him. And and it was very similar, actually, to a couple of years later in the film Zero Dark Thirty. I was just thinking about yeah. that. Where you have the, yeah. the CIA director or whatever who's praying. And, and it's just they never refer to it. And I remember reading that comic and it blew my hair back because, A, I knew this character. He'd been, he was a heroic character. He was a good guy. He was a director mm -hmm. of S.H.I.E.L.D., the whole thing. And I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I want. I want a character who, oh, by the way, he's Muslim. Yeah, and I love that the, oh, by the way, the, that the, his being Muslim as just one more element of his identity, not the totality of it, exactly. but uh, as one more element makes this character even richer. You, you got to keep in mind that when Rob Liefeld created him, he was a little bit of a joke character. G.W. Right. Bridge for the George Washington right. Bridge. He barely spent, <laughs> right. you know, more than three minutes thinking of the character's name. And here we're finding out that he has a spirituality of any sort, yeah. uh, much less Islam in the American context of the 90s. So I agree that uh, finding out that he's Muslim, or, or heck, finding out that he's, uh, what, a Quaker, sure. <laughs> or finding out that he's, uh, I don't know, into Native uh, American um, uh, tribal lore. Any of that uh, just makes the character all that more real to me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also curious, you know, because we, I mean, we're, we're obviously talking about Characters in comic books that have been uh, overtly or even like n not lampshading it perhaps, but, but but certainly just Muslim as being one part of their multifaceted sort of uh, personality or multifaceted, uh, uh, you know, character of who they are. But what about, you know, sort of the use of within comic book m mythology of certain sort of – Arab or Muslim tropes or Muslim or Arab 
You know what I mean? Like a cultural, like I guess cultural appropriation, like we talked about earlier, you know, I mean, what, what comes to mind is like, for example, you know, the character of Ra's al Ghul, right? In, in, in mm-hmm. Batman. I oh, mean, sure. a lot of people reading the character may not even know about sort of the Arab, uh, and I think that's where it stops, but the Arab connection to, with his name and, and, and all that kind of thing. So I'm thinking more along those lines. Yeah, I, I, it hasn't been used deftfully, uh, I <laughs> okay. definitely have to say. I'm thinking, uh, in my younger reading days, I remember when uh, in Batman comics, uh, the Joker, the villain, the Joker, was made ambassador from Iran. Yeah, right. And <laughs> that, was embarrassing. Wow. that, that really? made sense to the readership. And that, that's the ugly part, right? Yeah. That we find like, the Iranians so backward yeah. and so different. I'm putting, uh, I'm being quite um, facetious when this I is, say that. This is, Pervez, this is the death in the family storyline. Really? Yeah. The Joker oh, killed yeah. Robin. And Batman. He kills Robin while he's the UN ambassador from Iran. Yeah. So he has diplomatic and I imagine, immunity. Like you said, for the reader, it's like, oh, well, of course he is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's right, without even batting an eye. It was very easy to use uh, Islam or Arabness oh. or Persianness, which gets folded in there, uh, really anything Oriental, as alien and different. Uh, in comics. Now, that could play one of two ways, largely up until the present context. It either made them uh, exotic and interesting and exciting, or it made them uh, different and ugly and um, almost inhuman, right? So I like that with characters like uh, Wise Son, he's not a commendable guy, He's not a nice guy, but he's not just flatly bad. Uh, same thing with Kamala Khan in Ms. Marvel. She is yeah. finds it difficult to do the right thing and sometimes does not know uh, what the right thing is. Uh, so prior to turning these characters into multifaceted heroes, you really had the, for lack of a better term, the flat Arab or the flat Muslim that just served a a tokenistic role and one that, uh, and you do find this repeated across uh, a number uh, of different ethnicities and even religions. I do know that throughout the 80s, the Japanese Akuza was just the easy bad guy, right? right? Uh, Or even with Daredevil today, the, the hand, the ninjas <laughs> of the hand, um, they're just easy bad guys. Um, so we, comics does struggle, as I think do most adventure or romance mediums, with embracing the other rather than demonizing uh, the other. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that comics as a whole, uh, superhero comics, the superhero mainstream comics, are past that inflection point and now have to think about uh, how they cast their, even their villains. There was a, one moment, and this was even uglier to me than the Joker as the Iranian ambassador. This was right after September 11th, and Marvel Comics released uh, an issue of Spider-Man. That's it's right. called the Black Issue, because yeah. the cover's all black. And uh, it's basically answering where were the Marvel superheroes when the Twin Towers fell. Now, there's one moment in that comic that that just smacks me in the face, worse than the Joker. I issue. think I know and what you're going to say. Is, <laughs> okay, well, do you want to, Do you want to do it first? We can we can show our notes afterward if you want. Well, I, the the part that that really rubs me the wrong way is seeing like Doctor Doom and yes! Magneto like crying. At the Doctor Doom, Magneto, and I think the Kingpin, Kingpin. or something. I mean, these really nasty, <laughs> nasty, evil guys. Basically, yeah, they they are saddened by just how horrific and how evil an act this was. And I want to say, oh wow, that is first totally out of character for them. A, right. I mean, they've tried to blow up the world a, a few times themselves, but then B, totally misunderstanding and mis 
casting what the thought or even just what the basic humanity of, um, well, really anyone is, right. anyone, right. Uh, but in this case, particularly Muslims. Hmm. Yeah, that wow. that comic. I remember buying it off the stands, and I, and looking at it now, it's this. I mean, it's this fascinating time capsule of America at that moment, and yeah. to, you know, uh, the way artists were sort of plugging in with that tragedy. And I certainly, I don't, I don't fault uh, J. Michael Straczynski's motives in sort of committing that to the page, True. but it's it's it feels a little bit obtuse. Uh, uh, definitely. It was a short-sighted res- It was an immediate and visceral response rather than one that was looking down the line. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in, mm-hmm. in the course of, of putting this book together and, and, you know, co- collecting essays from, from, from contributors and whatnot, what would you say, do, would you say that, the the progress in terms of greater representation and a greater eye towards the diversity within the Muslim community. Do you think that that's uh, uh, something that uh, a positive direction that you see continuing into the future? Uh, I do, but I do with a caveat. Okay. Um, I I do think that uh, just as with. African-American characters with uh, Asian, Japanese, Chinese, Vietnamese, and so forth characters, with Jewish characters, that Muslims have finally entered a space in this genre where they have to be seen from all angles and can't just be um, ascribed certain stereotypical qualities. So that's good. And, And I see that going forward. The peril now is considering it fait accompli, is basically saying, ah, we have Ms. Marvel now, Hmm. all set, right? Um, She is, or or take another one, we have Excalibur, or we have M, or Night Runner, or uh, Green Lantern, even, one of the Green Lanterns, Simon Boz. And I think it would be a mistake, it could really lead to uh, going backward, hmm. if we now consider this check mark, uh, checkbox checked, and, and uh, like all set, we have conquered Islamophobia in superhero <laughs> comics. It's done. <laughs> Bucket list. <laughs> and I, right, I, and I, I think that would threaten in two ways. One, it could lead, uh, you know, regression back to stereotypes, but it also could lead people to not feel challenged or compelled to make new characters uh, to keep going uh, and find new ways to make them interesting and dynamic. Um, So we are at a good place, but it's sort of the work is never done. Yeah, I mean, I I can't help but think in this context of kind of, I mean, this is a little meta beyond comics but or comic books but uh, you know it reminds me of like sort of you know with the election of obama it was you know america yeah. we live in a post-racial america and then now you know Oops. now here we are right <laughs> two weeks after charlottesville yeah so a it, short eight years later yeah we were kidding ourselves weren't we we were truly kidding ourselves um yes that's that's the current state of things. And for a book yeah. like Muslim Superheroes to be out there and, and published, I mean, a publisher getting behind it and universities picking it up and podcasts like your own talking about it, that is all to the good. Uh, and I wouldn't throw that away at all. Mm, mm, mm. So acknowledge um, the progress that's happened, but don't, don't get cocky, basically. <laughs> don't get cocky. Don't get cocky. That's right. <laughs> So I'm 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 curious like what what are you like right now um like beyond the book I mean as an academic um what are kind of the courses and 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 I think I guess the subjects that you you know teach and discuss in in your own classes Uh I have the great fortune to work for a university that basically likes my weirdness <laughs> uh, and w- wants to give its students. This is MPCHS, uh, MCPHS University in right. Boston, Massachusetts, and it's a pharmacy school. 
right? So well, that's what, what I was curious about. I, you're right. One of the yeah, what am I, I doing here? Like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I will say to their credit and to my great appreciation, they want to challenge and engage and expose their students to uh, wider thought. There is a rather large Muslim population here, both domestic and international, uh, so I think that could be a contributing factor. Uh, but I get to do courses not only like Muslim superheroes, but like um, what I do recently, uh, the afterlife in modern American novels. That's fun, uh, thinking about how we write and talk and consume different images of the afterlife. I give a, a, a relatively straightforward uh, survey of world religions class. Sometimes I do a, uh, one of your more traditional short stories class. But then I turn around and do a, a course on cancer and comic books. Oh, wow. The portrayals of uh, uh, the cancer experience or cancer victimhood through this one medium. Um, and this fall, I'm, uh, I've just built my own dystopian novels course oh, where I, I didn't get to jam V for Vendetta in there. I, I thought I was going to. Uh, so it's, it's comics, uh, comics depleted. Huh. But I do have the opportunity here to sort of take uh, different things that might be in the ether into the classroom. And it's incredibly rewarding. Man, I mm. want to take your classes. I know. Hey, sounds amazing. come on down. It'll be great. <laughs> I, seriously. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, and, it, and I, you, you, know you, you talk about the novels or you talk about, you know, like just, just, just novels as well in, in addition to comic books. Um, I, I'm curious if you've read and have you watched any of the television show that, that, they, that they've now made uh, of American Gods and if you have any sort of thoughts on sort of, you know, Neil Gaiman's book and, and how he sort of yeah. looks at that. I read American Gods a while ago. I haven't had a chance to reread it since the series went on the air. It, it stars one of my favorite actors, Ian McShane. Ian McShane. So I've been yeah. able, <laughs> yeah, I, I adore him. I've adored yeah. him since Deadwood. Deadwood. I adored yeah. him. Uh, he had this short uh, series that only lasted for a season called Kings. Yeah, which was that. it also it, it also starred the guy that later uh, played Bucky in the Captain America movie. That's right. He was in that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had to check this out, and it is—it's its own thing, right? It really is. Um, that is, it doesn't look like the book in my head. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing by any means, but I can see someone attracted to the show who's not attracted to the novel, and vice versa. Uh, they have, you know, as you can with a visual medium amped up the sexuality and amped up the, even the gore. Um, I guess it's supposed on the, it depends on the individual person, how much gore and sexuality they were uh, expanding in their own minds from reading Gaiman's words. Uh, I like it. I'm more excited learning about um, the upcoming adaptation of Gaiman. And I think it was Terry Pratchett's uh, Good Omens. Uh, that was a, that was a, uh, that was a book I really enjoyed. It's playing on, you know, similar themes of, you know, divinity all around us or divinity, uh, right next door to us. And it's going to star yet another one of my favorite actors, uh, David Tennant, the, the 10th doctor from Dr. Who. So I'm, I think I have more at stake with that resembling the book that showed up in my head than I than I did American Gods necessarily. Uh, yeah, God, as much as I loved Jessica Jones, as just as a show, season one. I mean, he 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 made season one of Jessica Jones what it is. So, oh, he uh, made yeah. he made an incredible villain and yeah, a. Not one that I admire by any means, but wow, I wanted to keep on watching. Exactly, exactly. Um, and he'll be I, back. I, he'll be back in season two. Uh, of Jessica Jones? I heard that. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for that spoiler. But I, I, I wonder how they're going to do that because, I mean, yeah. Well, then it's not a spoiler because you don't know. 
<laughs> true, true. Um, so, David, like I, again, I, I only bring that up just because we have someone like you, um, you know, on, on the show and, and to kind of talk about it. I know it's not we, exactly we can let the geek flag fly this episode related to what we've been talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, meaning, meaning my question about American gods. Um, but I think I think before we kind of wrap up, uh, David, something you know to kind of take it back perhaps full circle. Um, and, and one of the things we always kind of uh, do explore when we do have guests on the show who have um, like their path involves sort of a conversion to Islam. Um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, and you, you kind of referenced it perhaps when you, or alluded to it when you talked about or spoke about, uh, spoke about the, uh, your own kind of unique interpretation or, or the way you approached the, the faith early on. Um, I'm just curious, like, what was it in particular, if anything, about Islam that sort of compelled you to, you know, look at it seriously as a, uh, you know, as a path to, you know, you know, spirituality or, 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 or uh, you know, um, yeah. the, the, the divine? Yeah, that's, that's a, a, a really good question, a really fair question. Um, and I hope it doesn't I sound will. like because I don't want to be the last thing I want to be guilty of is like I imagine a question that you probably get asked by various and sundry Muslims who come across where you who you come across like oh well tell me your conversion story I mean that's not what I mean you know I'm Muslims no yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it, it it is totally fine because I mean it's a decision that um, like what marriage or having a kid or picking a college you you give a lot of thought to or you should. So, um, of course, there's some story or, or some thinking behind it. Uh, I had been thinking about it for some time. Um, I will say that uh, I married a, a Muslim woman, and we had already had uh, our first uh, child, who we decided we were going to raise Muslim. So here I was, hmm. the, um, I won't say last Jew, but only if there's such a thing, only the ethnic Jew sure. um, in a household that would have a Muslim mother and a, and a Muslim daughter. But I needed to make sure that if I, I was going to convert, if I was going to consider myself Muslim, that I was doing it for myself and, and not just for them. Um, because I do believe you can be an ethical person from just about any religion or from no religion at all. Um, that that religion can in, help instill and augment uh, a good life, um, but that it can just as easily deter it. So, and I mean, that comes largely from my religious studies background, a more intellectual mm-hmm. version than a, than a personal, spiritual one. Hmm. Right. I think what ultimately... Um, was the largest factor for me is I found in Islam, I, I have long, blah, 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 rewind. Uh, <laughs> it, now I'm getting tongue tied. Now that I'm talking about myself, I'm getting uh, tongue tied. Whereas I can talk for comics for days. <laughs> I recognize that I am very much an orthodoxic person and not an orthopraxic person by mm. which I mean, wow. Um, even when I was going to synagogue, right, or I was much more interested in the ideas and in the theology than I ever was with, with the rituals. Um, I don't care if the bread is leavened or unleavened. Uh, I don't care if it's the body of Christ or not, you know, for my Christian friends. Uh, it's not the what we're putting in our bodies that matters to me. It's what we're thinking. Um, and so I saw a way to be Muslim, which is very often seen as orthopraxic, like five pillars of Islam, boom. Hmm. These are the five things you've got to do or five things you don't do. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. and, I, and I saw a way to be orthodoxic with it. I found the theology uh, lining up really nicely with my thinking, the idea that God is closer to you than your jugular vein, uh, the unicity of, of Allah, um, the idea that Jesus was a special person, but not a son of God. Um, and that's not to rile my Christian friends whatsoever. I feel they have just as much right to believe otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the theological principles 
in Islam that um, that at least I wasn't able to access in Judaism. It's not to say Judaism didn't have it, but didn't articulate it to me in a way that um, was compelling. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, I also saw Islam as uh, recognizing Jesus, recognizing the people of the book, uh, really recognizing just about everyone except those that would do them harm. And I found that very human mm. and humane. Mm. Um, mm. So at a point where I had gotten married, had a kid, already uh, graduated with my PhD, I wasn't bargaining for anything anymore. <laughs> oh, God, give me this, and, <laughs> and I'll be a really good Muslim. Fascinating. I was largely clear of that. I said, yeah. okay, now I can make a decision. And wow. Mm. Wow! Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, again, I, I ask the question because I know, or yeah, because for me, every story or every journey is so special. Um, you know, um, I, and I see commonalities. Say, for example, between your story and previous guests we've had. You know, I mean, Zucky. In this context, I'm I'm, I'm thinking almost of John who we just had on the show and you know and David yeah. if you you know he's got a book coming out that you haven't checked if you ha- if you haven't heard of or I would definitely recommend um uh, so it's John O'Brien he's a sociologist uh he teaches at um, NYU uh, Abu Dhabi um and, and 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 uh you know like yourself he's 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 a muslim you know he's someone who converted to the faith uh, you know married a muslim woman and sort of that's 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 certainly a part of his journey um but he's sort of done this uh, eth- ethnographic s- uh, study about the lives of these american muslim youth who how and how they sort of negotiate both their american and and, and muslim identities you know to remain "Quote unquote cool American, you know, teenagers, while at the same time being considered good or orthodox Muslims within their own communities, and it's called keeping it halal." Uh, I, wow! I believe, yeah. yeah, it comes out in early September. I, I would definitely recommend. I think just given your own interest, I think you would find it a very, uh, a very enjoyable and. Our, our, of, uh, our interview with him went live uh, last night. So if you if you delve yeah. into our archives, you, it's like the top episode. Yeah, literally the, the like previous episode right before yours. Yeah, I think you just sold me a copy. I think I'm going to have to uh, jump on Amazon and pre-order. That's a, that sounds incredible. Nice. Yeah. Great, great. So um, I, I think another way we sort of close out is, uh, you know, again, we, we have you on. Uh, we'd love for you to kind of talk about if there's any future projects that you'd like to plug here on the show. Uh, where can people find you and engage oh. you in your writings if they would like? Um, yep, I am uh, very much a social media addict, so I can be found on uh, on my website, captionbox.net, or on Twitter as A.D. Lewis. Um, the only thing I, I would... I feel compelled to mention is Please. that uh, I founded a uh, nonprofit recently, and I didn't ever picture myself being the person to found a nonprofit, but uh, if people have an interest... Uh, the nonprofit is called the Comics for Youth Refugees Incorporated Collective. And in short, that's just CIRIC. And what we're trying to do is uh, create comic books, create free comic books for, uh, at this point, Syrian uh, refugee children uh, wow. based on Syrian folklore. Uh, the idea being that, hey, we have the ability to make these comics and the good fortune to have the free time and perhaps donations to to print them, uh, let's give something back to uh, these kids who have had to relocate and just see some horrors. Uh, so more than my writing, hey, great, read my writing, I would love that, um, but something that's a bit more um, moving to me at the moment would be uh, if people are interested in donating to CIRIC, they can go to syriacomic.com or find us on razu.com to see what we're doing, uh, to see how we're doing it, and uh, if they'd like to contribute. Absolutely. Well, that is, yeah, sounds amazing. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. know, uh, Godspeed with that. I mean, that's, you know, uh, talk about a need and, and just, uh, yeah, that, that, that is, that is really something. Um, I appreciate it. And we do encourage our listeners to check that out. We'll even provide a link uh, when we do um, post the show. So we'll definitely make note of that. Um, Zucky, you want to close this out? 
Yeah, well, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you, David, for joining us. This was uh, a, a topic that I I always enjoy talking about. Pervez knows he I talk his ear off usually about this stuff. So uh, yeah. <laughs> the the ability to to merge my my uh, points of interest into in into uh, what will I'm confident be a very fun listen for our audience is something that I'm very excited about. So thanks so much for joining us. Um, I really appreciate the chance to talk, guys. Thank you. Uh, and as far as uh, those of you out in the audience, if you are interested in reaching out to us, please do uh, hit like on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash diffusecongruence. You can also email us at diffusedcongruence at gmail.com. If you're looking for me, I'm on Twitter at Zeki's Corner, Z-A-K-I-S Corner. That's also my website, just at com. And uh, Pervez, you're on Twitter too, right? You've got a long Twitter name that I'm not going to try to spell. Yeah, I- I'm there, so you can find me. There you go. That, that sounds vaguely threatening. Like, <laughs> I'll be there. Don't worry. I'm I am there. everywhere. I'm there. I'm you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Search his name. That might be easier. Uh, but thanks again for listening, everybody. And we will be back shortly with a brand new episode of Diffuse Congruence. Thank mm-hmm. you.